Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The way you kill zombies, you probably know this from the movies, right? Is you shoot them in the head, which is also the way you kill anyone. <laughs> talking about this with Jen and she laughs and I laugh and we laugh as one and then she says but if we had a baby I think it would be different <laughs> and I was like you got bit comedian Mike Birbiglia becomes a father and joins the zombies it's the last laugh I'm Matt Wilstein from the Daily Beast On today's show, we have a very special episode with a comedian I have loved for a very long time, Mike Birbiglia. We met backstage at the Amundsen Theater in downtown L.A., where he has been performing his latest show. It's called The New One. Today, The New One premiered on Netflix and, in my opinion, is some of the most hilarious and moving work he's done in his career. His other one-man shows include Sleepwalk With Me, My Girlfriend's Boyfriend, and Thank God for Jokes. You might also know Mike from his many appearances on This American Life and one of my favorite movies of the past few years, Don't Think Twice, which he also directed. The new one is all about Mike's indecision about becoming a parent and the unexpectedly hard road it took to get there. Spoiler alert, he and his wife Jen, or Chloe as he affectionately calls her on stage, now have a four-year-old daughter named Una. Before he went on for one of his final L.A. performances this past weekend, Mike opened up about his unique process putting the new one together and broke down his evolution from stand-up to theater and why he doesn't care how anyone wants to characterize what he does. We also discussed our mutual, unhealthy obsession with Saturday Night Live. It was a great talk that I cannot wait for you all to hear. But first, if you're enjoying this show, please do us a favor and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We want to know which episodes you've enjoyed the most and who you want to hear on the show next. Oh, and also check out at Last Laugh Pod on Instagram to see behind the scenes photos from this episode and others. Now, let's listen to my interview with Mike Berbiglia. So thanks for having us in your dressing room. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Been here for five weeks. (laughs) Yeah, how's it feel? uh, You're you're almost done with your your LA run. Yeah, four more shows. I did uh, 39 here. 99 on Broadway, and then uh, all told, probably like close to 500 performances of the show. Wow. And this is it. And I think that's why I'm sick, of course. You know, my body is just like, all right, we're done. Yeah. And then, and then after, and then it goes on Netflix on Tuesday, and then then that's it. You'll never perform this one again. I don't know. (laughs) I I think I might actually, but I don't know when, maybe in Mm -hmm. a few years. Yeah. There's something about this show. It's unlike any other show that I've done mm-hmm. where I feel like the audience is there's something they're getting from it that feels like it's like they need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like no, for, I pa- totally for get parents, that. like for parents, there's something about it. Like, you know, mothers and fathers come up to me and they're just like, oh, that we're now we're more comfortable talking about this 
thing and mm-hmm. elephant in the room kind of like topic and yeah so that's been i think for parents or people who are considering being parents yeah sure i had yeah exactly i have some people come up they go oh, okay so i'm definitely never gonna have a kid you know <laughs> and then some people go okay. some people go i think i'm gonna have a kid yeah. you know and so that's I think all those reactions are good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I got to see the show about a year and a half ago in New York when you were doing it downtown, Yeah, which was great. And then I saw it a couple weeks ago here. Oh, cool. So it was fun to see. I mean, you know, I'm not sure how much changed in that time. It's actually changed quite a bit. Um, But it was, you know, it was interesting to kind of see what the what the differences were, how it how it evolves over that time. Because I think when I saw it the first time, it was towards the beginning of when you were doing this show. Sure. And now it's towards the end. Um, I was also curious about how you keep it fresh for yourself after doing so many performances. I mean, when I came here, you know, I think maybe there were some people coming in late and you, you comment on that. You yeah. kind of, it seems like you try to do something at the top of the show that is different or usually I, yeah, usually the first 30 seconds or so is something off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Is that just yeah. sort of to kind of make sure that you're present? Yeah. You think? yeah. yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And like, and to make sure everyone realizes that, like, it's me, I'm there, mm-hmm. I put the microphone on, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to, like, walking out with it on already. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, and then I try to keep an open mind to, like, wherever things go, mm-hmm. you know, if someone's phone goes off, I'll acknowledge it. And basically, I'll acknowledge anything that feels like it's occurring in the room. If there's someone has a crazy, absurd laugh i'll mention that <laughs> yeah. if they you know if any the other night there was a guy with a shiny coat yeah it was, it was bright bright coat i go what how come it's so shiny in the front row he goes it's a cycling coat and I go, <laughs> okay and then i go you shouldn't uh wear that here <laughs> and uh and then i mentioned it like four or five times in the show and then it became a thing and then this woman came up to me afterwards when i was signing uh, posters in the lobby and she goes um so is this so is there someone with a cycling coat every night <laughs> and no no yeah and then she goes but so then what do you do yeah I like i don't know I something just, else you know something else <laughs> exactly yeah yeah good yeah. answer something yeah. else <laughs> um yeah i mean when i when i first saw the show it was interesting to see it twice because when i first saw the show i didn't know whether you ended up having a kid or not mm. Um, and I know that you've kind of wanted to, you like that that's a secret for people in a sense, although maybe it's gotten harder with all of the yeah, press. Yeah, it's probably and, harder at now. Um, yeah. but is that something, is that something that you thought about when you were putting it together that, that you didn't want people to know? Well, it's funny because the, the actually for, for the, for subscription series here, they don't know. Mm-hmm. Right, because yeah. they don't know who I am. Yeah, so they and haven't so, maybe read what other people yeah. have read or, or yeah. Or listen so to actually, podcasts for them, or, it is it is sort of a true mm-hmm. surprise. I I sort of like that it's a surprise, but it's 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 a hard. I mean, in the internet age, it's very hard to have any secrets. Mm-hmm. I don't like to watch trailers for movies. I don't yeah. like to. You like going I don't like in to fresh. Just go, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and this was also so. I mean, this is the Broadway audience here, and this was the first is the first show that you did on Broadway as opposed to off Broadway, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is my fourth solo show off Broadway, and then this is the one that ended up going to Broadway. And I think, <clears throat> honestly, like I think my my audience just is my age, mm-hmm. and so they just like they grew up a they, little bit. They to, went to, to become, they started going to Broadway, Broadway shows. People. I don't fall for these cliches at weddings where they'll say, like, two becomes one. But I do feel like if you're lucky, 
in a relationship, there are moments, and I mean moments. <laughs> like, this is a moment. That was a moment. <laughs> there are moments where you feel like your souls are colliding in a way that two souls have never collided in the history of humankind, and you think, how did I get this lucky? My wife and I hate going to parties, but we love driving away from parties. <laughs> and then the Netflix version you filmed on Broadway, is that right? And, the, and that's a community, too. I get together with all those guys. Who, all the Netflix guys? All the Netflix comedians. <laughs> we have a, a brunch every year. It's me and Chelsea Handler. Yeah. And Dave Chappelle mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and Kyle Kinane. It's the four it's, of us. It's a good group. <laughs> um, but it, I mean, it is. It's fun to have it on Netflix. It's great. Um, it's great. And, and part, you know, particularly because of the international reach of it. Because yeah, uh, the because I have a daughter. Like, it's very hard for me to go to Australia and, mm -hmm. and other places. You know, in Europe and stuff like that. Uh, because I don't want to be away from her right. too long. Yeah. And so it's it's nice to send them a version of it that and and Seth Barish who directed the show really directed the hell out of the special and so he he you know he made it really beautiful. Mhm. Mm yeah. Is there is there anything that you did differently for the filmed version that that no, is we, basically we, what we you really see on just, stage? No, we really just try to capture the what the live experience is and and uh you know mm -hmm. as much as we can. Yeah, um, your last special that was on Netflix, Thank God for Jokes, um, which I just rewatched actually oh, and, cool. and, and holds up incredibly well, uh, especially considering oh it was God. filmed like, what, three or four days before the, uh, before the 2016 election. Oh, God, yeah. Does that feel like a different uh, time that you, that you were filming that special? Does it feel like a long time ago? Yeah, we, uh, it did. It was very, it's funny because when people ask me about the state of jokes and everything right now because mm -hmm. it's a very popular very topic popular topic i'm always like well i did a special about that <laughs> it's on yeah. netflix mm -hmm. it came out <laughs> long before this mm -hmm. was the hottest topic in america yeah and it's my it's you know it's my thesis what's your which which part of it is your thesis or how would you describe the thesis well <clears throat> i think that uh it's it's sort of what I say in the end in that final mm -hmm. monologue where I say that the world is getting smaller, mm -hmm. which is of course becoming oh my gosh if you are following current events now your yeah fucking head will explode mm -hmm. thinking about how much the world is getting smaller and and um, and I th and, you know and it's gonna become only more and more tense uh, because people have such uh, s uh, starkly uh, different ideologies and feelings about things. And I think that, you know, one step towards uh, a, a better understanding of things is, is for us to, to listen to other people in the context in which they intend their words. Mm -hmm. That special did feel more like in a traditional stand-up special in some ways compared to... that's how to, it started. Yeah. Yeah, what happened was is I that? went on the road... It's related to this in a certain way. Jen didn't want me to talk about our pregnant life and having a child mm -hmm. on stage. Really? And that was like the first time in our whole relationship where 
and we had talked about that. Like mm-hmm. I say in this show, I was like, I was very clear. Yeah. I never want to have a kid. I would, similarly, mm-hmm. like I was very clear that I'm going to talk about, us, you know, my life on stage and that's yeah. us. And you've set a precedent that, uh, that your, that your life and your relationship is going to get, it's going to be in there. Yeah. Because it's just what I do. And then like, and, and then she didn't want me to do that anymore. And then so that I wrote, thank God for jokes, mm-hmm. which is really not a, it's just about jokes. Yeah. Really. I mean, and, and she's in it. I mean, there's a cats of and things mm-hmm. like that, but, but yeah, it's mostly about, uh, like the idea of jokes and how jokes, Ultimately, I mean, there's the other line you're saying, like, what is the thesis? Like, the other mm-hmm. line that you pull out of it is, like, all jokes have to be about something, mm-hmm. which I think is is a truism. Yeah. That, and and uh, there's a line that never made it into, into the show because I felt like it was too on the nose, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's relevant to the conversation now, which is um, people have the right to tell jokes and people... Uh, equally have the right to be offended by jokes yeah that's a big (laughs) those those two ideas can coexist Mm -hmm. and it was too on the nose to say that in the show because it would sound it would tip into ted talk yeah the special you know what i mean sort of like a lecture or a lecture yeah Yeah. and so that's not what i wanted to do yeah but i do i mean there is this thing now comedians get very upset or a lot of comedians seem to be getting very upset when they're criticized yeah, it's a wild thing. Um, and if you, but I mean, it seems sound, seems like what you're saying is that you you do feel like it, the criticism can be fair. I mean, there's yeah, there's course. such a thing as fair criticism of comedy. Well, there's criticism of everything. It, yeah, basically, if you're being criticized, it means that you're charting mm-hmm. culturally. Yeah. Right. Like it's it's people think it's relevant. Yeah, so it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, if, if people think what you're saying is relevant, then some people say, I like what you're saying. Some people are going to say, I hate what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But, it, and I think that what's been hard for certain a certain generation of comedians, perhaps, is that comedy used to be more under the radar. Right. Like it didn't chart. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't, it was like kind of like, I wouldn't say it was subculture, but it was sort of like not zeitgeisty yeah is that how it felt when you started yeah <laughs> in the 90s like i started in the late 90s i mm-hmm. worked the door at the washington dc improv and was like yeah like it didn't feel like anyone was getting into comedy <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like whereas now it's just like is everybody's getting into comedy like it's yeah and oh, comedy's kind that? of the, kind dig, of the biggest dig, thing yeah i take an improv class and i do you know like i'm into mm-hmm. that i'm a comedian too and you're like, like <laughs> any like it feels i feel like i have that conversation three mm-hmm. times a day which isn't to say that those people aren't gonna aren't great comedians and aren't gonna be great comedians it just means that there's more of them coming up Mike explains why he never felt like it was a big risk to move from traditional stand-up comedy clubs to one-man theater shows. He didn't have that much to lose. This episode of The Last Laugh is brought to you by Skylight Frame. The holidays are just around the corner. How's your holiday shopping going? I know it's not always easy to find the perfect gift for the people in your life. That's why I want you to check out Skylight Frame. Skylight Frame is a photo frame you can update instantly by email from anywhere. Sending photos to Skylight is effortless. Everyone in the family can just email them to your personal Skylight email address and they'll pop up in seconds. It's great for keeping the family close and connected, especially with those who live far away. It has a black frame and white mat so it looks like a real photo frame that adds a beautiful touch to your home. 
Skylight Frame has a gorgeous 10-inch touchscreen. You can swipe through photos with your finger and even tap to thank the person who sent the photo. And it's 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you don't love your Skylight, they'll offer you a full refund. And you can preload it with your favorite photos for a personalized gift. Import pictures of you and the special person in your life that they didn't even know you had. Now, I've been saying for the last few weeks that I'm going to be getting my parents a Skylight Frame this holiday season, so it will definitely not be a surprise at this point, but uh, I hope they like it anyway. And if you want to do the same, I have a discount code just for you. Now, as a special holiday offer, you can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter code LAUGH. That's right, to get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com and enter code LAUGH. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com, promo code LAUGH. Yeah, so, I mean, let's talk a little bit about that, um, sort of how you started. Um, so you were you went to Georgetown, right? Yeah. And then did you, you stayed in D.C. for a bit after, or did you... you know, I sort of was in between, because my, mm-hmm. my um, girlfriend at the time went to grad school in D.C., and so I, and I moved up to New York. I was sort of like living on my sister's couch for a little bit and I was on an air mattress in Queens mm-hmm. and then I was like back and forth to DC and I was like driving my mom's station wagon around the country and and I was like really struggling. <laughs> I was really like <laughs> not doing well and I wasn't a very good comic and it was like and it was and I was very, but I was very ambitious. I really yeah. like wanted it to happen and, and I mean we see a lot of that in Sleepwalk with me. Yeah, in, yeah. In Sleepwalk the, with me has a lot of that visually. And... Yeah. So is that uh, Band-Aid part of the act? No, you're not the uh, the head wound comics, not your tag. You know, like, I got a head wound after every joke. Is that you? No, look, I, I got to be honest with you. She wants me to do half hour. I only have like 10 minutes of material. I don't know what I'm going to do. Really? Wow. You're going to have to fill out that time somehow, man. Do some crowd work, talk to the audience, make fun of people. Well, I whenever know. I make fun of people, they punch me. Uh-huh. Matt, we're bringing you on now. Don't do that on stage. Thanks. Unless it's your closer. Is that a pretty? Was it? Was it odd to kind of revisit the the time when it when you weren't as good of a comedian and and portray that on screen? Yeah, it was a challenge, you know, because you portraying comedy on screen is difficult because actually the trick of it is the jokes that are not funny technically still have to be pretty funny (laughs) it can't be that bad (laughs) you know yeah so it's like i say the joke in the movie i forget what it it's one of my first jokes when i started out i was like the thing about cookie monsters he's not even he doesn't really eat the cookies or like do you think cookie monster has an eating disorder? Like I forget what yeah. even the joke is, but it's not terrible. Like, yeah. it, like all things considered, like <laughs> it's like one of the jokes is like, I would hate to be a stick insect because everyone's all, all the other insects are always bumping into you and mm. you got to be like, you know, watch it. And they're like, you look like a stick and you're like, I have eyes. And they're like, they were closed. I mean, it's not the best joke, but it's also not the worst joke. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. Those are those are like <laughs> jokes when I was starting out, and, and I used them in the movie. But that's the thing about, like, you know, performance movies, which mm-hmm. I studied a lot when I was making that, is um, you have to show an arc of performance. Yeah. And, and so, um, but you have to have the bad 
performances be entertaining in some way too. Yeah, you can't right. just totally turn off the the audience with the yeah. So like an so like a good example of that is um and it was sort of my model was the movie Once. Yeah. Because it's like at the beginning he's playing covers. Mm -hmm. The covers are pretty good. Yeah, and he's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he sounds yeah. pretty good. Yeah, yeah. He just hasn't found his, uh, yeah, and, his and, sound and, yet. And Marquetta is like, hey, you should play your own stuff. Yeah. And, and, and that's good, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the reveal. Yeah. But that movie really works. Like it, 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 I, I was sort of stealing that <clears throat> sort of model, which is like that my early stuff was okay, but it was like not really about me. And then mm -hmm. as I went along, it was like more about me. And Yeah. I'm interested in that My evolution um, from more, you know, pure joke stand up to, you know, these shows that you've that you've been doing for a while now, which really have an arc, have emotional elements to them. Um, how much I, I assume or I've assumed from hearing you talk about it that Ira Glass is a big part of that and sort of about that in that transition that you Ira made. Glass is a big part of that. And my, my director, Seth Barish, is mm -hmm. a big part of that. Um my professor from college is my screenwriting professor, uh, John Glavin, was a big part of that, too. Mm -hmm. um, he he taught really interesting group of writers. He taught John Mulaney after me and Jacqueline Novak after mm -hmm. me. He taught um, Jonah Nolan, who was in my class. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. In Westworld, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and co-wrote the mm -hmm. Batman mm -hmm. movies. Like um, Jordan Ardino, he's... Um, Brendan O'Brien who wrote Neighbors like he it was pretty those are all people who like were in my span of like my yeah. decade my decade mm -hmm. and they're like a lot of them working writers yeah you know? and and they're good really good um but he I think when I was 24 25 I wrote a I wrote a, like a two-hander one-act play and it was called Baby on a Train and because I thought I was going to be a playwright mm -hmm. or a screenwriter. That was sort of what you imagined yeah. for yourself. <clears throat> That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah, yeah. Because I had done four years of screenwriting and playwriting uh, in school. And and then my sort of my day job was like driving the station wagon around the country kind of thing and, and, mm -hmm. and, and doing these MC spots at, at sort of small clubs. And and then and then I put on this... Uh, this one act play called Baby on a Train, and I think it's, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good play. It, it's a sweet little play, uh, but no one showed up for it. And there <laughs> yeah. was, it was like fourteen people in the mm -hmm. audience, and and it was sad because we're here in Los Angeles, which I've never done well in Los Angeles because I feel like I, it's it's just not a good town for me yeah. in terms of uh, the show business side mm -hmm. of it because I I take people at their word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Big mistake. <laughs> yeah. That's a huge mistake. So pe so this town is filled with people and they're like, you're wonderful. And then I'm like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, and then you call them the next day and they, you never hear from them again. Yeah. You know, and you're like, and so I had like a manager at the time, which I think is just a, an obsolete profession at this point. In really? This, in the, yeah. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a manager. Yeah. But, uh, but it's a big profession. I mean, mm. People make a lot, a lot of money. Of, yeah, There's a lot doing of it. fancy cars driving around right. town with managers. Yeah. In them. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was, uh, but, uh, but this manager I had was like, if you, he read the play, he was like, if you mount this play yourself, I'm going to pack that room. With industry. <laughs> and I did it. And, and you, no you one, took him at his word. <laughs> yeah. I took him at his word. 
I thought he liked the play. Yeah. He said he liked the play. <laughs> <laughs> and <coughs> sorry, I'm coughing, but um so so let me just make sure the fluids oh, they're coming soon. Yeah. But um so uh, so I mounted that play. It was a bomb. I called my writing professor from college and I sort of told him that. And he goes, you know, you should really just write a solo play. Hmm. I go, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. That was and a big I, moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so then I just went to TKTS and I just sort of saw whatever I was on Broadway mm-hmm. and off Broadway. And solo saw, shows? Or, yeah. Yeah. Saw everything. Mm-hmm. I Am My Own Wife, Bridge and Tunnel, The Tricky Part, and The Tricky Part was my favorite one. It was directed by Seth Barish, who directed my four shows now. Mm-hmm. I approached him and I said, I, I have, I wrote the show called Sleepwalk with me. And, you know, and I think we got it off Broadway maybe five or six years later. Like it took yeah. years. It took a long time. That's the thing that is, uh, it's hard to tell people who are aspiring solo performers is like, Eugene Merman has this great line. He goes, when people ask for him for advice as a comedy comedian, he says, start doing it, keep doing it, call me in 10 years. <laughs> and it's like... It's, it's, it's kind of true. It's kind of true. Like, it just takes years. Yeah. Did you have any concerns about kind of moving away from traditional quote-unquote stand-up and embracing theater? Or how did you... I didn't have concerns about it because I things weren't going well enough for me to have concerns. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there is this kind of like macho stand-up thing. That's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's like the clubs and the, I it's mean, hilarious. maybe it's kind of gone away a little bit. I don't know if it's, if you feel like it's still there, but well, to yeah, that, that was that big, that was a big thing with Hannah Gadsby special where right. people were like, it's not stand up. It's a one, yeah. it's a one person. Show. It's like, it doesn't matter what it is. It's yeah. beautiful. Did you, you know what I mean? Did you like feel it, like you related to to her in that in those moments yeah, when people of were criticizing it? Of or course. Questioning yes. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't matter what you call anything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't not I mean it yeah. doesn't matter. You could go to a play and it could be three hours long and there's not a single word of dialogue and someone goes, Well, that wasn't a play, it was a it was experiential theater. Yeah. You, know, you go, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's called bubble wrap. Yeah. You know, or whatever <laughs> it's called. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it just matters ultimately, like, what the, what the experience is for the, for mm-hmm. the audience member. Yeah. When and I saw Hannah Gadsby's show, I, I was like, whoa. I saw it downtown mm-hmm. before, it was, before it became, like, an international phenomenon. I saw it at uh, Soho Theater, and which is this small little space in in new york and and i sent like 10 comedians to go see it yeah. i was like i bought tickets for like all these younger comedians mm. including jacqueline novak yeah. who i ended up producing who, by the way show. i love her show oh it's um, incredible i got to see it here before she went to new oh, york it's, yeah and, it's just the best um yeah. she's a she's a phenom yeah and um and so yeah and so the yeah, so i sent a bunch of there was, i was doing a storytelling show i was producing a storytelling show for one night at Union Hall called mm-hmm. The Whole Story. Mm-hmm. And it was like Gary Richardson and Sam Jay, Jacqueline Novak, Chris Laker, Josh Rabinowitz, Kevin Barnett, who passed away. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and it was awesome. It was like a really special night. And I and I I sent those guys all to see mm-hmm. Hannah's show because I was like, I was like, there's no other way I can explain this. You just have to see it. Yes. Yeah. You got to see and this. And what did they think or what kind of responses was, did, you, there, did you get? I, there was, it was mixed. Yeah. 
but that's great. Yeah. That's great. Mixed reaction mm -hmm. is great. Like some mm -hmm. people loved it. Some people didn't like it. It was, mm -hmm. yeah, but it's all part of that. It was all yeah. part of it, what we were just saying before, which is <clears throat> when something becomes popular, not everyone's going to like it. Yeah. Some people, yeah. Um, and you don't care if you're called stand up or called theater. It doesn't matter. Well, it's so funny because people are, <laughs> when, when that special came out, some people were tweeting like, how come when Mike Birbiglia could be? Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. In the de debate of whether hers is stand-up? Yeah. How come when Mike Birbiglia does it, That's no one cool. complains about that? And I was laughing because I was like, Hannah Gansby is so much bigger than I am. <laughs> she is like an international phenomenon. Like, it, like it's not even close. And and they do complain yeah. about it to me. Like, I get tons of flack. You're not a stand-up. You're a blah, blah, blah. All right. Whatever yeah. you fuck. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Um, her her new show is great, too. Yeah, I, I don't even know that. if they filmed it or what, but they I are saw filming it live. It. It's supposed to be on Netflix or somewhere It's soon. tremendous. Um, yeah, and then I think it's going to be in L.A. At, in February, so I'm hoping to see it then. I think she's really good. She's really great for comedy in general because it opens people's aperture to mm -hmm. what comedy can be. Yeah. So even if some person doesn't like it or some person loves it, there there's one person watching that who's going oh my god it can be that mm -hmm. yeah that, that's a great outcome yeah um since i i brought him up and we didn't really talk about it uh, i did want to touch on your relationship with ira glass and this american life because i think it was you know it's probably the first time that i heard you and probably a lot of people maybe heard you um yeah. what how did how did that um first start and what what do you feel like it's meant for your um for your career it's uh, it started because of the my, my relationship with the Moth mm -hmm. storytelling series. Um, this was before the Moth was a radio show, actually, and it was. I had done a few stories with the Moth, which is a great organization, and 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 I just at a certain point, I think I said I said to Catherine Burns, who's the artistic director, like, could you would you be willing to send this sleepwalking story to the that I recorded for the moth to this American life because I feel like I've always thought I'd be a great fit with that mm -hmm. because I like always all these years like when I would listen to David Sedaris on this American yeah. life I was like I think I'm more like that yeah than, than I am than like these stand-ups that you're seeing yeah <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. I always related to it like mm -hmm. I always thought like that was always felt like he was a kindred spirit mm -hmm. com comedically and um so I was like oh, I thought that'd be a great fit and then and then uh 
eventually the moth Catherine sent it over there and uh and then uh they they were gonna they, i was up on their board like as a three by five mm-hmm. note card for a while because yeah. they it's do like a, a possible yeah, yeah i was a possible mm-hmm. for like a while like yeah. i think for like a year i'm sure they have a lot of possibles yeah yeah they get pitched constantly yeah and and then at a certain point uh julie snyder who the senior producer called me and she goes um we'd like to run it the audio from the moth and i go you know i'd really like to do the story like sedaris does yeah. where he's in the studio and they were, and she was like, no, <laughs> we're not going to do that. <laughs> That's and then, uh, too and, much work. And we're I gonna... had, well, I had some resistance to it. And then, and I understood why or they had some resistance. I had resistance to that, and, and, to the, to the live version. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I, so then Ira just called me, mm-hmm. which is a crazy celebrity phone call. Yeah, the because voice, he's the voice, the yeah. voice is the part. Yeah, I'd probably freak out if Ira, if Ira Glass called me on the phone. It's 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 a it's a crazy experience it's just, it's uh and so he's like this Ira glass i'm like oh, you know you, you just feel like you're talking yeah. to the radio you feel like you're on the radio you're yeah. on the radio yeah 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 and and he he was like here's why i think you should do it mm. here's why i think you should do the, the live audio and um and he was right and i wake up and I'm falling off the top of our bookcase in our living room. And I land on the floor hard on top of our TiVo. And it broke into pieces. And I'm, I'm disoriented on the floor. And it's like one of these stories where people black out drinking and they wake up in Idaho and they don't know where they are. And they're like, oh, no. Hardies. You know, or whatever's, whatever's there. But it was, but it was in my, in my own living room. I was just like, oh, no. Devo pieces, you know, and you know, and I ended up like meeting up with him in New York, and uh, and and then we've ended up doing two movies together and this show together, yeah, a new one, and and probably like ten ten plus, you know, stories for the his radio show and. It's just been like amazing. I mean, he's just been a, a great mentor. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about Don't Think Twice as well, just because yeah. I, I really, really love that film. Thanks. When I saw it, uh, it's one of those movies where I don't know if you've had this experience of seeing something and feeling like, I'm pretty sure this was made for me. That's what, you know, what's so funny. I was talking <laughs> to Kevin Nealon the other day. I did his hiking show. Oh, yeah. And he goes, you know, it's funny. He goes, I really like Don't Think Twice. And by the way, I love it when SNL... People like Alums it, like it, because <laughs> it's could be because it's their yeah. existence, right? And it, um, in in some sense, mm-hmm. um, and and it means you like got got part of it right, yeah. In some ways, yeah. like you feel like okay, good. And he goes, whenever I tell people to watch that movie, he goes, he goes, it must be like ten people who have said that to, and they go, he stole that idea from me, <laughs> <laughs> and it's um. Yeah, um, one of my friends, Joe, she goes, uh, she, she, she has a saying about the movie, which is, you're so vain, you probably think Don't Think Twice is about you. Because <laughs> it is one of those, it, yeah. people, there's a lot of people mm-hmm. who are like, 
that's my exact yeah. story. You know, is it, it, it kind of is Chris Gethard's story. Though, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. He was, he was opening for me when I wrote it. Yeah. So <clears throat> he was, we were living on tour bus together. The, um, Mike Berkowitz, my agent, he, and we have this, we have this way of looking at that period of my life and Chris's life. Cause he represents Chris too, mm-hmm. which is like, is like, I helped him with career suicide and yeah. he helped me with don't think yeah. twice. Cause I, cause career suicide was literally like me and him up late on mm-hmm. the bus. And he told yeah. me that story. Yeah. I've and heard go, him tell the story. I go, that's yours. You, you know, yeah. that's, that's the show, man. Yeah. You want to be a stand up? That's yeah. your show. Mm-hmm. You know? And he was like, this is not funny. Yeah. And I'm like, Yes, it is. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were right. And but then, but then inversely, he um, he helped me understand mm. the improv journey. Yeah. in this way, that was yeah, uh, and the experience amazing. and the whole Saturday Night Live experience yes. of of not getting it. I mean, you you never auditioned for <sighs> Saturday Night Live, right? No, I didn't even. Not only did I not audition for it, I didn't get to audition for it. I mean, that's how low yeah. my career was at that period. Mm-hmm. In that period of time. Um, I like I, I think my agent at the time like sent a tape and it would no one ever responded yeah. kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, like I didn't even show up to the whatever. Studio. Do you? I mean, I have a kind of unhealthy <laughs> weird obsession with Saturday Night Live. Oh yeah, me Do too. You, yeah, of course. Yeah, I it's, mean, you could tell from watching the movie. That... Oh, I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> yeah, I love Saturday Night Live, and uh, I've just loved it since I was a kid. And you know, I, I think I, 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 there's a line akin to this in the movie, but it's a little bit for comedy nerds. It's like sports. For yeah. Us. I'm glad you're keeping sports. It's the you know sports what I mean? of comedy. It's the only live sporting event of comedy. But, but comedy oh, isn't yeah, a sport. Comedy. It shouldn't have winners and losers, and there shouldn't be points. They don't have, I mean, they got Gary Cho, and then it's like, who else? You know what I mean? Everybody else is white. Even if it wasn't me, there should be somebody else on this show I, I think that represents diff- another different shades of white. Certainly, mm-hmm. yes, there's definitely. They've got they've got eggshell, <laughs> to, <laughs> to off white, to uh, almost almost ochre. I ochre. enjoy ochre performers. Yeah. <laughs> it was good when I was little. Right. You you never know if it was good when you were little or you were just little, so you didn't know. It's the great paradox of Weekend Live is, was it good ever? And can I, or did we just think really, so because no. we were You should well. not have said that in your audition. I think that's <laughs> It's live. It's on television every week. It's it's consistent, you know. It, there's kind of sometimes like, a dra- there's like a draft kind of aspect yep, to it. there's a draft. That's right. There, um, there's, you know, and then... Rookie players, yeah. And there's a seasonal aspect mm-hmm, to it, too, mm-hmm. you know. Um there's a holiday aspect to it, mm-hmm. you know. They do. It's always something special around yeah. Christmas. And Eddie Murphy this year. Is that? Is that that's yeah. right. Yeah, I saw that. And and then it's like, um, I don't know, man. It's just like there's something about that show, you know. And then it's similar to sports. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's yeah. okay. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes yeah. they win. Sometimes yeah. they lose. <laughs> I, do, yeah. I do like how you, your yeah. character in the in the movie says something like, uh, "Was it ever good?" I think Seth Meyers like put it well once when he said like one thing is always true about every episode of Saturday Night Live like some of the sketches are good some of the sketches are bad some of the sketches are okay yeah <laughs> or something like that yeah. it's like and that's it's sort mm, it's of just great. the reality of what it is I don't know it's, yeah. there's, there's something about it but it's it is it's consistent. just endlessly fascinating somehow it is. at it's the same endlessly time endlessly fascinating um did you I know you you joked I think with him on his show Seth about 
being worried that you were to get sued. Oh, I thought that they they, they very well might sue us. And then at a certain point, like our distributor was like, no, it'd be good if they sued us. <laughs> yeah. It'd be good. The same way that like Al Franken got sued by Fox News or yeah. something. It was like it made the, the, book, the book go sales, to number yeah. one or something yeah. like that. So you were kind of hoping that maybe. I'm, but I wasn't was, yeah. really. I yeah. mean, the idea I'm too neurotic to yeah. want to be sued. Right. Yeah. No matter how, who says. Did yeah. you ever, I mean, I guess you've talked to, you know, people like Kevin Nealon and, and Seth, but did you ever hear from that, that Lauren Michaels had any awareness of it or. No, but then like people will always say to me, like in the inner circle, they'll be like, yeah, everybody knows about it. <laughs> <laughs> how could you not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd know Seth and I know Fallon and mm-hmm. I know, I, I mean, I, it's. It was in some ways it's a weird movie to to make because you're it's it's like you're a little bit of a narc by making mm-hmm. the movie yeah because your community mm-hmm. you're like yeah you're calling out the this reality that maybe is more people don't people don't talk about out loud yeah and then you're like admitting a certain thing about yourself which is like envy right you know like it's you know not I mean, I mean your your character is a uh, well my character is pretty, miserable yeah, my was, character is miserable <laughs> that was a it is striking to see because i you know i think it's it's a level beyond the character that of you that you play it's not me on sta- at you know. all yeah it's yeah. nothing like me really yeah. um and it's pretty dark uh, it's a dark character yeah. yeah was that fun or was that yeah scary yeah, or, yeah, yeah 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 i like playing characters mm-hmm. that are you know outside of myself because mm. no you know because it's like no one's going to cast me yeah as that <laughs> so you just cast yourself yeah i, mean, I directed that. it yeah, yeah i can say I um, part. and people it was funny because my friend yorma who wrote for snl mm-hmm. yorma Takone, he he for years in lonely island yeah he he we were doing readings at my house and he was like well you have to play jack that was the key yeah. part I, and he's like you gotta mm-hmm. you know i was like no no yeah i can't play jack yeah because he gets cast you have on to, <laughs> Saturday Night Live. You have to believe that he gets cast. I, <laughs> there's a reason I was never cast on Saturday Night Live. I'm not talented in that way. <laughs> and so why the hell would my, mm. as an actor, it's that thing when you see a movie and you're like, you don't, you're not good enough to be that. Yeah. And it fucks up the experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's the Keegan, Keegan, yeah, Keegan-Michael Keegan, Key is like totally believable as a Saturday Night Live. Not only is yeah. he believable, I mean, he would have been one of the greats if yeah. he was on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Key and Peele is one of the best sketch yeah. comedy shows of all time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love the movie and it's it did it did speak to me. Thanks. Yeah. It's on Netflix now if people want yeah. to see it. It's uh it's it's had a nice like like second tale. Life. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think there'll be a, a film film version of the new one? <laughs> and and follow up, will Paul Rudd play? Uh, play <laughs> oh my you? god, that was the funniest <laughs> thing. I feel I, I feel bad because yeah, I've been goofing around about that on social media that um, about that review because the Charles McNulty wrote in the Times and he's a really good reviewer and he's a really good writer that that if if new the new one is a is a movie. Paul Rudd must star, and it's like <laughs> that just sums up my entire Hollywood yeah. experience. It's is that so you funny. show up and you go, "Hey, I'm here," and they're like, "Okay, so you know who'd be great at this is Johnny Depp." <laughs> Coming up, how Mike convinced Terry Gross to play herself in his hilarious short film *Fresh Air 2: Too Fresh, Too Furious*. So what I want to do now as we sort of get towards the end here is um, is run through some of the stuff in your career that we didn't get to talk about yet. And, oh, okay. And see if um, there's kind of a quick uh, memory or, or story that, that jumps out to you. Um, so starting with your uh, late night stand-up debut, uh-huh. which was it on Letterman? Yeah, 2002. Yeah. What do you remember about that night? What I remember is that 
um, I was in utter disbelief that it was happening. Yeah. And that I, they asked me if I wanted cue cards with bullet points of my jokes. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I don't think I need that. And then my brother Joe was there who's been writing with me for years and producing with me. And he goes, yeah, we'll do the cue cards. And then I get out there. <laughs> I get out there and I my mind goes totally blank. And I look at the cue card and I and I see I can see my next joke. And it, it saved me. Yeah. Did you look at it after that first time? Did you keep looking at it? No, it was just I did the first joke and then mm. I then I went blank and then I looked mm. at the second one and yeah. then I think I was okay from there. Mm. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you get to meet uh, Letterman? In, no, no, uh, no. He's pretty. I, I he's mean, pretty uh, separate from, from yeah, everything. It's not. It seems like. It's amazing how how separate uh, he is from from comedians mm-hmm. on that show. But he's just an eccentric. He's an ex- uh, you know self-described eccentric person. Yeah, um, I wanted to ask about uh, your your scene in Girls. Yeah, which uh, which uh, that episode ex- entitled that, "The Vagina Panic." Yeah, the the excruciating uh, scene with, with <laughs> yeah. Lena Dunham. Yeah, awkwardness. Really Where did you go to school? Oh, I just I, I went to Syracuse upstate. I have so many friends who went there. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> you went there with them. Yeah, a few of them there. I read a statistic that said Syracuse has the highest incidence of date rape of any university. Wow. Which weirdly went way down the year that you graduated. That was just a joke because I was saying that there was no more date rape because they figured out who it was who was doing it and it was you. Maybe you're not used to office environments like this, but but um, jokes about rape um, or, or race or incest or any of that kind of stuff, it's not office okay. And so I just don't think this is going to work out right now, but call us back maybe six months, eight months down the road, and, and, and we'll stay in touch. Uh, what do you remember about filming that? Loved, loved shooting that scene. Uh, Jody Leipz, uh filmed it uh lena directed it uh we improvised a lot mm-hmm. um it was a unique episode, uh, uh, scene for that show because they don't they weren't improvising around that time yeah. on the show a lot and so but lena and i were friends and she mm-hmm. goes hey do you want to play this part and i was like yeah yeah and and she and i just had good rapport and so we thought like that would be sort of what made the scene work mm-hmm. and what would make it painful yeah. when it turned. <laughs> yeah. Like how it's so essentially painful. it's similar to don't think twice. How well it goes is how poorly it, it yeah. becomes. Yeah. 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 Um, so now I have to ask about what I think is my favorite thing that you've ever done, which is fresh air to too fresh, too, too, fresh. Furious, yeah, yeah. Too, too furious, fresh, too furious. Yeah. Um, with Terry gross. Oh, I'm so glad you liked it. Um, it's just, I also rewatched that recently and just, I was laughing out loud by myself. Uh, but it's, it's a, I love for, I, I'm so glad you like it. I feel like it didn't go, not only did it not go viral the way that one would hope mm-hmm. a, a short film like that. Yeah does it didn't even go bacterial like it didn't even <laughs> like it didn't what was the story i didn't get a cold so it didn't catch a to, cold i was trying to remember because was it, it was part of a live <laughs> yeah. was it part of a live it show, actually was part which of I a, think this I was, which i think event. i was at okay 
and that's where I saw it. And then yeah, on the big screen, it's phenomenal because yeah. we shot it on Super 16, and and Joe Anderson filmed it, my cinematographer from Don't Think Twice, and so it looks really pretty. Yeah. So how did you? So you you were doing it for this American Life live show. Was it difficult to convince her to do that, or was what was that process? A lot like? of it was. I came. I called Ira, and, and he he asked. He goes, "You have anything visual?" <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "I don't do visuals." <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah. He was doing a cinema live event. You have anything visual? And then I go like, I go, what about this premise? I got to give Ira a lot of credit for this because it, he's so good. There's so many things that he's great at. Yes, anding, mm-hmm. and and this is one of them. I I go, what what if the premise is like I go and I'm being interviewed by Terry Gross, and then like the, it ends, and then I'm just like, hey, so we're like, what are you doing now? You know. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd like go to a cafe and I'm like, what are you doing now? You know? And, and then he goes, um, and then Ira goes, but it's gotta go, it's gotta go somewhere crazy. Like you guys have to like rob a bank. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, great idea. Yeah. And so that, that so that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened. <laughs> wow. What happened? Oh, this is Terry. I'm so sorry. I shot the guard by accident. And then I shot myself by accident. Well, what does it feel like to be shot? It's pretty bad, Terry. I don't think I'm gonna make it. Well, Mike Birbiglia, thank you so much for joining us on this bank heist. Thank you, Terry. It's so good. Yeah, my mom, my parents don't like it because it has a gun in it. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and you get you get shot. You shoot yourself. <laughs> they right, don't like that that's part. part of it too. Oh my god, can you they imagine? Probably, yeah. That never even occurred to me. Yeah, that they that they wouldn't like I, seeing yes, that. that they wouldn't like seeing their child be shot. Yeah, <laughs> they might not like that. That's great though. Um, I loved your performance in Trainwreck. Thanks. Um, I'm proud of that. Actually, which I think is, no one talks really, about it that much. Kind of but a I'm deep, proud of it. Uh, deep performance, and, and there's a lot of great performances in that movie. Um, Colin Quinn also really good. Um, but what did, what was your, um, did that feel like a different kind of acting challenge experience for you or was that? My wife has a beautiful poem that this winter, so Jen and I have a book coming out, the new one, Painfully True Stories from a Reluctant Dad with poems by J-Hope Stein. Mm -hmm. And this winter we were workshopping some of the stories with poems together Mm -hmm. and we were on Judd Apatow's show at Largo. Mm Mm-hmm. And and we just were like, what if we went up together and just did this thing back to back? Yeah. And she read this poem that we explained to the audience. It was like a one of a kind, and now it's two of a kind because we're saying it to you here. And um, and she said, uh, it's I'm going to butcher the line, but the poem says something to the effect of, um, you like you say you don't want to be a father, but this director, he he sees something in you. Mm that you you would be you would be a good dad yeah and it was like it was like Judd Apatow cast me as a dad before (laughs) before my life did that's great and uh it's sweet it's really sweet and 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 it is yeah it was yeah he cast me he cast me as a dad and then there's also a funny thing which is like Brie Larson as Brie Larson's husband which is like in like this (laughs) long string of like um being married or in a, a fake uh, movie TV relationship with women who are way out of my league. Mm. Uh, I was in a scene with Reese Witherspoon. Oh yeah. In uh, Hot Pursuit, I was in a, uh, I was in 
I feel a lot of things. Asia Kate Dillon and Billions. Yeah. Uh, there's a great many <laughs> like semi-romantic things that I've been in. Yeah. And, it's kind uh, of a Judd Apatow special too. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and then we had a son, Evan. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I played a dad. The funny thing about that experience was, <coughs> the funny thing about that experience was that um, Amy would improvise a lot on the set. Yeah. And man, is Amy Schumer a great improviser. So, I mean, just incredible. And she would, she would imp- you know, her character hated my character, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I was seen as like sort of the guy who, you know, her sister settled for me yeah. in some way. And so she would improvise all these insults of me mm-hmm. all day being a, <laughs> like a loser. But I was like, it's me basically playing me. Like it's yeah. not, it's quote unquote Tom, but mm-hmm. it's pretty much Mike Birbiglia. And, yeah. and so like I'd come home and uh, say to Jen, like, I think that I might be a loser, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like uh, the, uh, the joke that I would make on stage at the time, I remember this, I don't tell it anymore, but on the tour, on the train wreck tours, I would go, um, I'd come home to my wife and I'd say, um, I think I might be a boring loser. And Jen would say, you're not boring. <laughs> it's it's yeah. goofy. Uh, but that was a very fond memory. And it was like a great cast. Like it had Brie Larson and and Vanessa Bayer, and then we mm-hmm. went on that tour. Yeah. We like we went on this crazy whirlwind tour mm-hmm. of New York and L.A., and it, it was a Chicago. It was crazy because it was like, it was actually, I lived uh, in proximity or within the tsunami that was Amy Schumer exploding into yeah. the stratosphere. Mm-hmm. And that was cool. Yeah. That was a cool thing to be a and part of. And that's what brought uh, Judd back to stand-up. It brought Judd back to stand up too. Yep. Yeah. Um, so let's end with this. Um, when you look back at, at all the stuff that you've done and people you've worked with, who do you feel like has been the, the funniest person just to, to be around that you've worked with uh, in a you know, on the set or in clubs or, or just who 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 comes to mind? The that, person that comes to mind like immediately, and it's a little obvious, but for me it's personal because we've been friends so long is like John Mulaney because mm-hmm. like when I was when early in my career when he got out of college he he came on tour with me when I came out with two drink Mike and so we'd spend like yeah. hours and hours together on like a tour bus together and he it's like if you think he's funny on stage like off stage he's like even funnier <laughs> yeah. somehow and and he's uncannily like it's kind of amazing that John wasn't a cast member on SNL yeah because and around the time, I think we all thought his group of friends were all were like, okay, he's a writer on it. Of course he'll be on it. Yeah. And then he never was. Not because he didn't want to be. Or, oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But, but, uh, but he, because he does so many voices mm-hmm. and impressions. Yeah. And like, he really is like a jukebox Mm -hmm. like he he, he's a he's a and and the other person who is similarly hilarious is bill Hader. yeah the two of them and it's no no surprise that they they team up on things like like the two of them are a riot yeah 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 um well great uh so and then my and then my and then then my daughter yeah just throw throw that in there too (laughs) my daughter una (laughs) <laughs> no, I do. I, I I laugh the hardest when I'm with. <clears throat> I'm. I laugh the hardest when I'm with um, 
my wife and my daughter and that's yeah. that's sort of like I, I posted a photo on instagram today of, of like a photo because it was like a rare photo i had someone shot it for netflix where i'm like oh this is what my laugh looks yeah. like when i'm with my family mm -hmm. but yeah. you'd never capture that on film usually <laughs> yeah that's great um well good luck with the the show tonight and the rest of the the weekend and then netflix and on to the next thing apparently yeah thanks thanks so much <laughs> thanks for doing this yeah i uh, appreciate it it means a lot to me thank you Thank you so much to Mike Berbiglia for being on today's show and to everyone at the Amundsen Theater in downtown L.A. for letting us record this episode backstage. The new one is now streaming on Netflix, and you can watch an exclusive clip from the special on thedailybeast.com. If you enjoy this show, please tell your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at thedailybeast.com. And please follow at LastLaughPod on Instagram. The Last Laugh is distributed by Himalaya Media for The Daily Beast. It is produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch for Starburns Audio and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazel. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find the show every week on Apple Podcasts, the Himalaya app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.